Okay, how's it going everyone? Um, it's been a minute. <laughs> Actually, uh, in a few weeks time, it would have been a year since I've uh, done an episode. And to be honest, I was kind of ready just to give the podcast up and just stop doing them. Um, no real reason apart from, I think, uh, every time I do an episode, I just overthink it, you know? I, I plan it too much and, you know, try and organize what I'm going to say and things like that. And it just kind of took the fun out of, uh, out of the episodes. Um, and, I mean, I can talk for hours about anything mainly animals, but also anything, you know? And I realized I don't really need to plan what I'm going to say or anything like that. Not like I did that much anyway with the episodes, but I think I just kind of psyched myself out in case I like, you know, stuffed anything up or like forgot what I was going to say. And that actually kind of just made it worse, you know, kind of just like when when you're picturing what you want to say, you're not going to say it right. And then when you just sit down and talk, that's when you say what you actually mean and um, what you intend to say. So that's what I'm going to do now. You know, I was looking at the analytics for the uh, podcast and seeing that I'm still getting more f- followers and listeners now than I was, you know, when I was putting out regular episodes. So people are still listening. People are still asking me for episodes. They're still um, giving me reviews which is awesome. So I'm just going to do them. I'm going to I'm going to do the podcast. I'm going to do it every week. I'm going to actually, you know, put some more time and effort into it because people people want it, you know? It's just it's not dying, which is awesome. Um and as you know, if you've been following my uh social media or any Kings of Pain stuff, uh we did another season We finished filming that in March and it aired in uh, the United States in, when was it? I want to say July. I can't really remember, but now it's airing, you know, all around the world. It's just airing in the UK now. But what I'll do is I'm not going to talk about Kings of Pain on this episode. Uh, I'll probably get Caveman Rob on and we can both uh, tell you all about it because it was, it was crazy. Um... But this episode is about my re- my most recent jungle adventure. Uh, I want to do an episode on, on it because um, it's still fresh in my mind. I only got back uh, a week or so ago, two weeks ago, or maybe longer. But um, yeah, it's still fresh in my mind and it was such an awesome experience. And I, I want to tell you all about it because, hey, it's Thorn's jungle. It's... I've got to have jungle stuff in here. <laughs> You know, so um, I went to Sumatra, right? Uh, I hadn't been to the jungle in a while because of COVID. Uh, I was well overdue for a jungle adventure. I mean, if I don't go to the jungle for a while, I just I feel lost. You know, I can I watch TV and see a jungle on there, and like my heart just beats. I'm like, I need to get there. You know, and uh, I wanted to do some primate stuff because I'm getting I'm specializing more in primates now um, and primatology so I really wanted to do a primate based trip 
this wasn't for TV, this wasn't for anything, this was just purely me wanting to get back into the jungle and uh, see some cool primates and do some cool primate stuff. And um, I'd never been to Sumatra before. I've been to lots of other jungles uh, in the world, you know, Bolivia, Bolivian Amazon, Malaysia, Borneo, India, but never Sumatra, you know. This is, it's in Indonesia, um, but it just, to me, Sumatra just has everything, you know. It has tigers, rhino, elephants, orangutans, bears, tapir. It's insane, all right? And this part of Sumatra that I went to in is West Sumatra. Uh, it, it's enormous. Like, the jungle that I've been to, oh, what, three times now that I love in Malaysia, uh, Peninsula Malaysia, it's four and a half thousand square kilometers of jungle, which is massive. You know, it is vast. But this jungle I went to in West Sumatra is 14,000 square kilometers. So it is just next level massive, right? And apart from the primate, the uh, siamang, siamang are uh, uh, a gibbon, they're the biggest gibbon in the world. Um, I, I, the, the, I, I wanted to see siamang pretty much, and I wanted to do siamang uh, surveys and stuff while I was there. Uh, I, I won't get too much into that because it turns out like siamang are very hard to see. You will hear them. And most of the surveys done on Siamang are by vocalizations. And they sound like they're right next to you, but they're like a kilometer away. They are so damn loud. Um, but also, I wanted to look into a an ape that is said to live in that region. Uh, I don't want to say it's like a Bigfoot. Um, because it's not, it's only very small, maybe three feet high. Uh, but it does walk bipedally, apparently, so it walks like a human. Um, it's been sighted quite a few times, like lots of times actually. Um, and and I've always thought, out of all the cryptozoological animals that have been witnessed and reported, this one was probably the most likely to exist. Just because Sumatra is so big, so vast, um, there is definitely room for a large bipedal primate to go undiscovered. Um, I mean, if you look at orangutans that live in Sumatra, they live in northern Sumatra, you have the Sumatran orangutan uh, that lives north of Lake Toba. So you have uh, Pongo abelii, which is the Sumatran orangutan. And then south of Lake Toba, there was a pop. There is a population of orangutan that have they they thought were just Pongo abelii, the same species as the uh, Sumatran orangutan. It was a very elusive population of orangutan, and they were only really studied and formally discovered in the nineties. And then in 2015, they did genetic analysis on them and found out they were actually a completely different species, uh, the Tapanuli orangutan, uh, Pongo tapanuliensis. So 
they knew this population of orangutan lived there, but they didn't actually find them until the 90s, and they had known about them since the 30s. So, this is how easy it is for a large species of ape to go unseen and undiscovered, right? And the area that these Tapanuli orangutan live in is like 100 square kilometers. So think about if there is an ape that is even more rare than the Tapanuli orangutan living in an area that's 14,000 square kilometers. Yeah, this thing can go undiscovered very easily. So I went there to look for that um, as well. Um, I mean, it was a long shot, you know, you can't spend five or six days in a jungle and find something that people don't see after living 30 years in the jungle. It's just not going to happen, but I wanted to look into it. You know, I wanted to um, see, you know, what, what's the story behind this? Is is there a possibility that this thing actually exists? Uh, so I flew from... Man, it was crazy. Uh, Sumatra is not that far from Perth, where I live in Western Australia. It ain't that far. Like... If I was to fly direct there, it would take like six hours. But because there are no direct flights there, it took me like two days to bloody get there. Um, I had to fly from Perth to Bali, Bali to Jakarta, Jakarta to Padang, and then drive eight hours uh, just to get to the village that is basically uh, closest to the entrance of the jungle. So that was hectic as all hell. I've never had such a bad experience uh, traveling. It was nuts. Um, all like every single flight I had was delayed, cancelled, or uh, they changed airline. Had to go to different terminals. It was a nightmare. So by the time I got to the uh, that village, man, I was already burnt out. I was rooted, and I was like, well. I'm already burnt out just from this travel. I've still got like five days in this jungle and a lot of like hard walking, you know. But, you know, adrenaline kind of kicks in and takes over and you kind of like get this second wind and, you know, you kind of just forget about it. You know, I'm burnt out, but I've got such an amazing adventure ahead of me Let's just pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> you know, so it was me and a guide. Because I'd never been to this jungle before. I normally never get guides, but they're jungles I'm familiar with. This jungle's a different story. Um, so I had a guide. His name was Ian. And he's such a lovely guy. Really cool guy. He's been a guide for a long time. Um, yeah, great, great dude. Uh, so... We trek out into the jungle. And it's bizarre, eh? Like, we'll just jump in his van, drive about 20 minutes to the entrance of this jungle, and just walk in. <laughs> and the area where I wanted to search, uh, there's also lots of siamang there as well, so it's actually worked out perfectly. Um, it's a volcano an extinct volcano that is just surrounded by these jungle mountains. So we had to climb up these 
mountains through the jungle and then climb down to get to the inside of this uh, extinct volcano, which is now like this massive lake. So just getting to where I wanted to go was a full day's trek like up a sheer mountainside. It was it was basically a climb, right? It was nuts. Um, and it's the first jungle I've been to that it's not insanely hot, like boiling hot. It was actually quite mild, um, humid. So you still sweat, but you're not stupidly hot. In fact, at nighttime, it got pretty bloody cold. So we get to the lake after a full day trek. Um, it, it rains pretty much every day there. At some point it rains. So, you know, you get wet, things like that. Um, on that walk alone, I could hear Siamang, uh singing. I saw Sumatran Surili, which I never thought I'd actually see because they're actually uh, pretty, pretty rare monkey. They're endangered and they're endemic only to Sumatra. Uh, but on that walk, on that trek, I, I saw uh, two of them. It was awesome. It was amazing. And I was like, well, this is a good omen uh, for primates. You know, if I'm already seeing Sumatra and Cerulli, that's bloody awesome. So we set up camp. You know, we're sleeping in tents. Um, real rustic, you know. First night, my tent's leaking and stuff. and Whatever. It's the jungle. You know, stuff's going to go wrong. Um, but, you know, we're, we're you're exhausted after that hike so you know don't do much when we get there uh but the following days it was just get up go explore um then we'd move camp uh deeper into the jungle which was sick and you know we got some canoes off some of the fishermen there's like fishermen that live around that lake and we got some canoes off them and well one canoe and uh you know canoed to the other side of the lake this lake's you know a few kilometers long it's massive Canoe to the other side, camp there in deeper jungle, was searching there. It was just sick. It was awesome. It was as jungle adventure as you could ever get. You know, we're eating these little fish that are like sardines and they just fry them in oil and eat them whole with rice. They were like the fishiest potato chip you could ever ever eat. <laughs> um, but like I found this frog, it's a pretty rare frog. Ian's been to that jungle a few times and never, well, a lot of times, and he's never actually seen one. Um, I couldn't 100% ID it. Uh, one time I was digging through a old tree and a grub fell out, like a mealworm, and I gave my phone to Ian to film me because I ate it, ate this grub. Yep, uh, Ian filmed it. Of course, he didn't press record. <laughs> it wasn't his fault. I um, He thought that I'd already pressed record, then handed him the, the phone. But I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to have to find another one and eat it and get it on camera this time. So I'm digging through this tree again. A little scorpion falls out, this tiny little scorpion. And of course, it stings me. I, my fault again. I picked it up and messing around with it, and it stung me. Didn't hurt or nothing. But Ian said he'd never ever seen a scorpion here before so who knows could be a new species so it was probably a good thing that uh we weren't recording otherwise we wouldn't have looked for, uh, for another one and found the scorpion but 
Yeah, this jungle is immense. It's enormous. And, like, we're just macheteing our way through the whole time. Just, there's, no one's there, you know. This is primary rainforest as well. Like, as archaic rainforest as you can get. It, it looks prehistoric. Everything's covered in moss. It's just thick and, yeah, it's awesome. Bloody awesome. Um, I did some eDNA samples of some of the water there. Um, eDNA is environmental DNA and it's actually really cool because you can like, you suck up water into a syringe and then pump it over this uh, like filter and you do that a bunch of times. Any DNA gets stuck in that filter then it gets analyzed by a lab and uh, they can tell like they can, you know, separate the DNA and see exactly what animals are in that area. So like if an animal's walking around on land, it rains, that water gets washed into a creek, stream, river, lake, you name it. So any DNA that has been washed from the land into that water will get picked up in these filters. So you can like literally find hundreds of species of animal DNA in these waterways. It's really sick. And I was doing that, basically, I wanted to see if... I mean, how can you find DNA from an animal that has never been found? They just wouldn't have that DNA on their meta uh, metadata bank. Um, but if this thing's a pongid, which is uh, in the subfamily Ponginae, same fa subfamily as orangutans, maybe it'll come up as orangutan DNA and we know orangutans don't live in that part of Sumatra they're way 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 further north so that would suggest that there is a close relative of an orangutan in in the area which would be very very interesting but basically um, when we move to the furthest part of the lake into the deep jungle uh, every day we'd hear Siamang singing like three or four different groups of them all surrounding us uh, and calling. It was super loud. It was really cool. Um, CMA are quite territorial. So, like, that's pretty much them calling to the other group saying, hey, this is my territory. Don't, don't come near it. Uh, basically just establishing their boundaries. But it was really, really cool. Um, yeah, so we'll just explore the jungle. I, I was looking for any footprints um, obviously looking for Siamang but also looking at the ground for any prints of this undiscovered ape and it, it's weird like it's called um, what is it Par Paradolia where humans are very good at recognising human faces in things it's faces in the clouds it's uh you know, where somebody will take a photo of a forest and they'll be like, that looks like a face in the shadows there. Our brains are very good at, like, forming images of human faces. It's a form of, like, recognition thing. So you can... F so if you're, like... I was looking for this ape footprint, right? And you start seeing those... F you start seeing them, right? You start finding them because your brain wants it to happen. So every animal track I was looking at, I was like, that looks like this ape's footprint, that looks like it, you know, but in actual fact, it it isn't, it would be like tapir footprints that are overlapping or something like that, so it's hard to like, uh, pull out of that 
mindset that, you know, I've got to calm down, take a look at these prints properly and, you know, start from there. It's Occam's razor. Like, the most probable scenario is probably the correct one, you know. Uh, but I, I found, like, three or four sort of ambiguous prints that I that looked quite like this ape's footprint um, and it's quite a distinct looking foot like I mean you look at a chimpanzee gorilla orangutan footprint it pretty much looks like a hand so their big toe is as base it's like a thumb it's called a divergent big toe it's like a grasping uh, grasping toe and this ape has that it has a divergent big toe coming out the side of it and sun bear footprints look very similar, but sun bears don't have that divergent big toe. So you can see a sun bear footprint and you'd be like, oh, that's it, that's it, that's a this ape's footprint. Then you look at it and you're like, well, I'm not seeing that divergent big toe, so it's probably just a sun bear. And I know a lot of footprints that are cast of this ape have just been sun bear. I have like five of them here and I can look at them and go, yeah, that's, that's a sun bear. Um, so, you know, every night we come back to the tent and it's normally getting really cold. It's starting to rain like this immense fog just rolls in. Uh, we'd have dinner and then pretty much at like 5.30, 6 o'clock, I'm in my tent, Ian's in his tent and just laying there, you know. I don't have phone service, nothing. I don't want to watch anything on my phone. Like, I don't want to drain the batteries so it's pretty much you're just left there alone with your own thoughts and trust me when you're away from any form of technology or like mobile phone signal or anything your brain just opens up and I've talked about this in previous episode the solo jungle expedition episode um, but I, it's, it's crazy I think like the way we live now uh, the way we think every day is it's not how we should be thinking <laughs> like your brain's just muted hey eh? i don't know if it's like i don't want to get all tinfoil hat here but i don't know if it's like you know signals radio frequencies the things everything in the air because we're surrounded so much by like wi-fi and things like that if it's muting our brains somewhat but when you're away from that it feels like your brain and your thoughts feelings everything is just like released and it's crazy like I got more homesick I get more homesick when I was alone in the jungle and this time when I was in the jungle than I did being away from home for three months when I was filming season two of Kings of Pain because at least like when I was in LA I could message my loved ones or my friends whenever I wanted but when you're out in a jungle with nothing you don't know what's happening at home. You don't know if there's an emergency, someone's had an accident, you know, you just don't know. You're sitting there going, hum ba bum ba ba living my life out here in the jungle and you're just oblivious to whatever's happening at home. And it kind of freaks you out, it does. Um, you start thinking about things that you never would have thought about, like you remember certain things. It's crazy. And I think if people go camping, they'll sort of... Uh, feel something similar if they're out of phone service or something but if you're alone then it's even better you know uh, because you are stuck alone with your thoughts and 
these days, it's very rare that human beings are alone with their thoughts away from any social media or anything like that. Um, so it, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, but the last... Okay, so we're on the other side of this volcanic, volcano lake, uh, exploring the jungle over at this uh, back corner. And, um, like, it's... So we we were in that jungle searching it before we had to canoe back to back across the lake and then we're going to sp- spend another night uh on the other side of the lake that's closer to where we had to walk back uh the next day to walk out of the jungle and head home so we're just having this one last look at this deeper jungle you know it's day four now and yeah we're looking around and I find this like bird's nest that's fallen to the floor and it's just pretty much built out of moss. Um, and I'm looking at that and going, oh yeah, that's pretty interesting. Go to walk off and bang, I find a just like the most amazing footprint that I've ever seen of of an ape, right? It, it was like, uh, like, perfect it had everything it had the four toes it had the divergent big toe you could even see where like dirt had been pushed up from like the pads of its foot and everything like that and I'm like it it didn't look like other footprints I've seen of this ape it looked a little bit different like its divergent big toe was a lot longer the footprint was a lot more slender than what I've seen um But, you know, if I stepped in some dirt and somebody else stepped in some dirt, our footprints would look remarkably different. You know, a couple of my friends, their feet are like long, skinny, and their toes look like fingers, you know? (laughs) So, footprints can vary heaps, right? Um, but th- th- this was, without a doubt in my mind, this was an ape footprint, right? And there is no ape. Seamang's feet don't look like that, and they're nowhere near the size. Um, orangutan footprints don't even look like that, and orangutans don't live in that area of West Sumatra anyway. So what the hell is this? It looked like a bloody chimpanzee footprint, to be honest. Um, obviously, chimpanzees don't live there either. Uh, and it's it's so typical as well, like... I had Plaster of Paris with me to cast any footprints that I might find, but it was back at our camp. It was in, in the tent, and that's about, it was like a few hours' walk to get back if I wanted to get this plaster, and we didn't have time. We had to leave and canoe back across the lake, which takes like a few hours um, before it got dark, so we didn't have time to go back, get the plaster, come and cast it, uh, which was just so bloody typical. I could not believe it. I was so frustrated at myself. So the best I could do was like get a lot of photos, you know, with my hand next to it for uh, for reference, size reference. Um, and I, because the inside of this footprint was very interesting. You could see like uh, dirt that had been pushed up from the t- from the like pads and stuff like that. Um, 
so I filmed the inside of this footprint like slowly got my camera and just filmed all the inside of it and everything like that um, and then the weather hit started pouring down with rain so I wouldn't have been able to cast it anyway even if I had the plaster with me because um, it was just it turns all muddy and soaking wet so we get back to camp pack up camp start canoeing back across this lake and this huge bloody thunderstorm hits like massive and there are this lake has now turned into like the ocean like there's waves and stuff like that so it made canoeing back really difficult and made it a lot longer than what it should have been and we weren't going to make it back to where we wanted to camp uh, before it got dark we just wouldn't have made it so on the edge of this lake is like these fishermen and it was just one fisherman actually and uh, he his camp is like I don't know like <laughs> a little room that's made out of tarps basically so it's like a tarp shack basically a tent that's made out of tarps pretty much um, so we were like okay you know asked him if we could set up camp at his camp stay there the night and he said yeah that's fine um, and yeah so we ended up sleeping like, my, like sleeping in this tarp thing um, I was like shoulder to shoulder within and there was this huge thunderstorm going on outside like and I remember like all the all the side of this thing's wide open so I'm getting like rained on there's rain falling on me and stuff and I remember looking up and going yeah this is this is a bloody this is a jungle adventure like <laughs> this is just so random um, and during the night I hear this insane noise it wasn't thunder it was different it sounded like a bloody plane crashing it was like it was nuts and in jumps up and looks out but it's pitch black we can't see anything We're like what the hell was that and like the the ground shook and then next morning when the sun's up we go out and across the lake you could see like this because we're surrounded by jungle mountains right and across the lake there was a massive landslide like this strip of jungle from the top of the mountain all the way down to the lake had just fallen just poof and the trees that like it looked like someone with a bulldozer had just cleared this massive strip down this mountain and then there was just a pile of like skyscraper sized trees at the bottom right like these trees are huge big old trees and they just just came down i was like man if we if we were camping there we'd be they would never find our bodies ever <laughs> yeah it was it was crazy um and then yeah we spent another night on the other side of the lake and explored this other area um didn't find any any other prints anywhere near as good as that one i found previously uh but at that point you know like it was time to time to leave i i, I came to that part of sumatra for primates to do primate surveys but to check out this undiscovered ape, right? So I wasn't going to be there for long. If I was to come back looking, 
I would come back for a long time to look for this thing. You can't just go there for a week and think that you're going to find it. Um, so yeah, we made the big long trek out on the way out of the jungle. Like we had to climb the bloody mountain and then down again. And it was like just been raining. So it was so muddy and so slippery and it's almost vertical. So like it, it's sketchy as, right? And then saw more Sumatran Cerilli on the way out. One had a little baby. It was really damn cool. But yeah, it was another day trek out of the jungle. You're going through the jungle to get out of the jungle, mind you. Um, but yeah, on the way home, like... Okay, so I spent the night at Ian's place, and then that night I got picked up to get taken to the airport, eight-hour drive on the way home. The bloody driver's fallen asleep, of course. Um, like, the van's coming to a standstill, and I look over, and he's, like, fast asleep, and that happened quite a few times. Um, finally... I get my flights come, fly to Jakarta, Jakarta to Bali, had a night in Bali. Uh, that was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I get to Bali, I'm like, yes, I'm going to order McDonald's. You know, at this point in time, I'm starving, right? For a week, I've been living off like less than a thousand calories a day and walking so much. So my body's in starvation mode. I'd lost like five kilos. Um, and of course, like the Macca's website, the McDonald's, we call it Macca's in Australia. The McDonald's website's like in Indonesian, so I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I can't figure this out. I'm just going to order Uber Eats. Uber Eats wasn't working in that area. And I was like, okay, I'll get room service. Ring up. Yeah, can I get this? Can I get the boo? Can I get the pizza? Can I get this? And they're like, oh, sorry, we don't have it. We don't have any food pretty much I'm like are you serious I'm like I just want to eat something and I don't want to go out into the streets looking for food I was done I don't want to put my boots back on and go walking around I was I'm, I'm knackered I'm done at this moment I'm starving I'm exhausted I just want some bloody food uh, so I walked down to the restaurant at the hotel I'm like look can you make me this can you make me that can you make me this and I'm like okay 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 so I'm like, finally, got some food on the way. Get back into my room. Like 45 minutes later, the food comes. Oh, no, actually, sorry. Before that, I finally figure out the McDonald's website and I spend like 60 bucks on McDonald's to get delivered to the hotel. And then like half an hour passes and I get a text message saying it's been delivered. So I go down to reception and they're like, no, nothing was delivered. I'm like, are you serious? What the, what's going on? What the hell? So then like 40 minutes later, still nothing. So yeah, I went down to the restaurant and they made, made me some food and brought it up to me. So I eat that, eat like a whole pizza, like chicken club sandwich, fries. And I was still hungry. So I'm like, I'm going to walk down to like this, you know, little mini mart that's down the road and get some more like snacks, just like some potato chips and stuff. So I go down there, walk down there, get some of them. As I'm coming back into the hotel, the receptionist comes running out with the McDonald's. It was delivered like two hours later. It's freezing cold. So I'm like, are you serious? So I get up to the room with her and it's like four burgers, like three large fries. Um, and, and I ate them as well. <laughs> like, I ate like 10,000 calories within like a couple of hours. Um, and then the next day I smashed a bunch of cocktails, got my flight home, back to Perth. Um... 
And I, I figured out as I was like, so days have passed and I'm like kicking myself that I didn't get to cast this footprint. Um, and I was finding out like, like researching if they can make 3D models out of like photo photographs. They can't really. They can't really get 3D models out of like a 2D photo. But they can with a video. And luckily, I got that really good detailed video of the footprint. And then I turned it into a full 3D model. Basically, it cuts it up into like a thousand photos and then uses that. So I got this really good 3D uh, image of this footprint. And it looked awesome. And I got some dude... Uh, on Facebook Marketplace to 3D print it for me, and I've got this full, full-sized cast. Um, not a cast; it's more of a mold because it's inverted. It's not like out, like exverted. Whatever the fuck, like a you know, like an actual casted footprint that you would with plaster. But I've got how it looked in real life, full cast, like molded. It looks sick. It turned out really well. So. I've got a really good uh, image and physical 3D mold of this footprint that I found. And looking at other footprints of this ape, like, mine's the best. <laughs> Mine is... It's better than all the other ones. Like, I don't want to t- talk myself up, but it's 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 a bloody good one. Um, so, yeah, that it actually worked out well. I still wish I casted it, but when you cast stuff with plaster, you destroy the print. So... Um, with this one there's, you can see way more detail than you can in a plaster cast so it was really cool worked out well um, but yeah that was pretty much it that was my primate adventure and also cryptozoological expedition it was, it was good uh, do I be- oh yeah and also sorry while we were in the uh that village near the jungle i interviewed one of in's friends who's a farmer that's seen one of these apes and he gave me really good detail about it he got a really good look at this thing as well so do i believe it's there yeah i believe it exists i believe it is an insanely rare ape um that is very close to extinction uh but I'll probably go back. I'll probably go go back with a bunch of camera traps, uh, trail cams, um, set them up for months, and just do a more intricate, uh, intricate search for this thing. I've I've been wanting to look for this thing for years. I've been almost obsessed with this ape, and um, yeah, I'm glad I managed to go over there and find some form of evidence, even though I wasn't there super long. I still found a really good print, so I'm so happy with that. And uh, yeah, I will be back. I will find that ape. I'll find that stinking ape. Um, yeah, I will be back. Um, yeah. So uh, regarding the podcast, guys, tune in every week, hey, because I I will be I will be doing it every week now. I know I've said it in the past and. It, it hasn't happened, but yeah, I really want to have a good crack at this, get this podcast going good, considering we're still getting like, you know, a few thousand subscribers each month, even though I haven't put an episode out in like nearly a year, 
but that's a good sign. People are still tuning in and, you know, listening to the older episodes. So, um, yeah, thanks for uh, sticking with me and being patient with this. But, uh, yeah, stay tuned for more because there will be. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. See you.